0: Good morning. morning. Hey, you guys having a good day so far? Praise the Lord. It's a day God's given us. We might as well use it and be joyful in it. So let's pray, and we'll ask God to bless the time of looking at his word. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for what we've seen already, God, and uh, the worship, God, and the baptisms, Lord. God, I thank you for using this church, and I pray you continue to do it. God, help us to be ready for it. And uh, God, I pray you soften our hearts this morning and uh, help us to ask the question, what would you have us to do, God? In your name we pray, amen. God can do a lot with a little. God can do a lot with a little. In John chapter 6, we see a story of a little boy's lunch. And if you're not familiar with that story, people have been following Jesus around for days, and they start to get hangry. You know what that is, right? Right? It's angry and hungry, and it's all mixed up into one emotion. And people are passionate about food, right? Amen? And when food's involved, tempers flare. Well, this large group of people is getting hangry. And I don't know if you've ever tried to decide where to go to eat with a bunch of people like that. It could be torture. It can be hard this large crowd of people that numbers in the thousands are hungry. And Jesus says, look, we need to feed them. The disciples are confused. They say, look, it's going to take, Jesus is going to take 200 days wages to feed all of these people. But they obey Jesus and they go out and they look for some food anyway. When they come back, I'm sure they were ashamed because they came back with a bag with five rolls in it and two small fish. Not even Big fish, two small fish. That's all they had. And I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they were thinking, hey, Jesus, uh, we didn't solve your problem, but we got us some food while we can think about this a little bit longer to figure out how to feed the rest of these people. But Jesus says, no, 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 that's fine. Have them sit down. We're going to feed them from what you brought. How are they going to do that? Think about the faith that that takes. All right, everybody, sit down. We're going to feed you knowing you just brought five rolls and two small fish. The the disciples thought that Jesus was a few peas short of a casserole at this point, right? (laughs) Wait, what are you talking about, Jesus? Well, in John chapter 6, verse 10 is where we'll pick up with the story. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. 5,000 people. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Leftovers? What are you talking about? So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, They say, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. They saw a miracle that day. They saw something awesome. And when they saw it, they say, hey, this is the guy that we've been hearing about. This is the Messiah. That boy didn't have much. But Jesus took his little and made it into a lot. Jesus took his little and made it into enough with some left over. See, God doesn't ask you to bring a lot. He just asks you to bring your little. God can use little things to do big things. God can take your little and multiply it in ways that you cannot believe. I've seen that in my own life in miraculous ways. And you might say, Phil, you're not much. And I agree, that is true. But you should have seen what I brought to the table. 18 years ago, I was that 15-year-old boy sitting in the back of a crowd in a service just like this. I was scared, awkward, self-conscious. And me and my friends would sit around and make jokes about everybody else that was participating. My friend Doug and I would sit back and, and make jokes like, man, you see how loud that guy is singing? Jeez. <laughs> Look at that guy. He's raising his hand. What, does he have a question? What's going on here? These people are weird. And we acted like we didn't care. But, what, but we really did. We cared a lot. I don't remember the message that was preached that night, but I do remember the invitation. When God asked me to bring my little, my little lunch, I argued, God, what could you possibly do with me? I'd been saved for a long time, but God, I can't speak to people. God, I can't sing. People don't even really like me that much. What could you possibly do with me? God, you must have this all confused. You must be thinking of someone else. I gave over what I had. I gave over my little lunch. Look, I agree, I'm not much, but you should have seen what little I brought to the table. For some reason in that moment, I had the faith to give it over. See, God doesn't ask you to bring a lot. He just asks that you bring your little because God can do way more with your little than you on your own could do with much. See, God's not asking you today to give what other people give. He's not asking you to do what other people do. God is asking you to contribute what you have. One thing that we all have in common is we each have time, talents, and treasures that we can bring to the table. Now, you might not have as much time as the person sitting next to you. Your best talent might be painting a wall and not preaching to the masses, and you might only have a widow's mite. But you have what you have, And you can give what you can give. What's so amazing about this little boy, he got to participate in one of Jesus' miracles. And he was able to bless 5,000 people by what he brought to the table. He brought something to that miracle. And this church is an outward-facing church. And when you give your time and your talents and your treasures here, it's going to bless other people. You're going to bless this community and across the world. See, we at CBC believe the Bible teaches whole life stewardship, that everything that we have is God's, and that we are to trust God and give what we have to be a blessing to others. We believe that God expects every member of CBC to serve God and others through our talents and investing our time. Someone once said, do what you do well for the glory of God strategically for the mission of God. Do what you do well for the glory of God, strategically for the mission of God. See, God doesn't ask you to give what other people give. God asks you to bring what you have. And your gifts might not be up here on the stage, but they are important because unsung heroes are the best heroes. Matthew 6, 2 teaches us that principle. Principle. It says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, that they may be praised by others. Let's put that in today's vernacular. Hey, you want to go to Africa and do a missions trip? Don't bring a TV crew, right, Angelina Jolie? Come on. You're doing this for other people or you're doing this for publicity? It says, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. See, when we do things for the applause of others, that's where our rewards end. But verse 3 goes on and says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. See, unsung heroes are the best heroes, Have you ever had someone do something for you and you never found out who it was? There's just something so special about that. Love with no strings attached. And that's how we are to serve God. Someone once said, many small people in many small places do many small things that can alter the face of this world. So give like you won't run out. See, when we give, we're reflecting God because God is a cheerful giver. And there's a bonus to it because there's a certain thrill in giving, isn't there? Have you ever just gave and you weren't expecting anything in return? There's a thrill in that. And that itself is a gift from God. So here's the question this morning. Where are your resources going? We only have a limited amount of time. Are you using your resources in a way that lasts past this life? Are you using up your limited time on this earth for this life or for the next life? Psalms 103.5 says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. That verse there tells us that our life is like grass. How many of y'all hate to cut grass? It never stops growing, right? It's just always there. And you mow it and it blows away and you don't ever think about the grass that used to be there, right? That's what the Bible says our life is like. Life is short. C.T. Studd said this, Only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. We have a limited amount of time on this planet. Some of us less than others, right? (laughs) Let's make it last by using it for God's glory. So how are you using your time? How about your talents? Are you using your talents to bring glory to yourself or to bring glory to God? Here's a simple test. If you didn't get recognized for what you do, Would you get angry? How about this? If all of a sudden what you did wasn't needed anymore, would you be mad? How about this? If someone else got picked to perform a service over you, would you be jealous? See, if you answered yes to any of those questions, then your service is self-centered and it's not for God, it's for yourself. See, we don't know the name of this little boy that gave his lunch. But I imagine he was just happy to give his little and see what Jesus was going to do with it. Jesus wants my lunch. Why does Jesus want my lunch? It's, a, it's, a, it's not enough to do anything with. Sure. Yeah, let him have it. Let's see what happens. Are you living this life like there is a next life? Where are your resources going? Adrian Rogers said this. If I were to give my riches, I couldn't make God any richer. He owns everything. If I were to give God my wisdom, it wouldn't make him any wiser. He is an all-wise God. If I were to give God my power, it wouldn't make him any more powerful. He's an omnipotent God. God only wants one thing from his children, our hearts. It's been said that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Good stewardship recognizes the fact that God owns everything, and I'm just the manager of it. God owns all that I have. We've tackled our time, and we've tackled our talent, and next is the thing that we're all uncomfortable talking about, right? Our treasures. What's another way to say that? Our cash, right? If you're here for the first time, let me assure you, uh, in this series, this is the uh, only series that I've mentioned money, okay? So don't be like, oh, Pastor Phil's just trying to shake me down. That's not what's happening here. But money is a part of our lives, and if we're going to surrender all, God asks something from us in that regard. See, all throughout the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, God set up the standard that you give your tithe where you worship, and you give your offerings of missions to the needy. Above and beyond that. Now, if you're not a member here or you're someone that says, I don't even know if I'm a Jesus follower, I'm not talking to you right now, okay? You just sit back and you relax. And hopefully you'll become a Jesus follower by the end of this service. But even then, you can skip out on tithe this Sunday, okay? We'll give you a pass. <laughs> but for centuries, God's work has been supported by tithes and offerings of God's people. That's how this whole thing's worked. So, what is the tithe? Well, the tithe is a definite proportion, it goes to a designated place, and it is used for a divine purpose. So the portion is 10%. The place is God's house, and the purpose is to further the kingdom of God. Well, what about this? Where did it all start? Well, like many things that we do, it comes from the Bible. The word tithe literally means one-tenth. Abraham commenced it in Genesis fourteen twenty. It says, "This blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand." And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Jacob continued it in Genesis twenty eight twenty two. He says, "In this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house." And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. In Deuteronomy twelve ten, Moses commanded it. In uh, Malachi 3.10, Malachi confirmed it. It says, bring the full tithe to the storehouse that that there may be food in the house of God. And I love this next part. Listen to this. God says, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Man, that's an awesome promise right there, isn't it? Jesus commended it in Matthew 23, 23. In that passage, the Pharisees were tithing of everything they had, even down to their spices, even down to their mint and all the things that they used in their food. But they were missing some big things in their lives. They were going down to the T with that, but they were missing, like, mercy and justice and love. And Jesus commends them for following the tithe to the T, but he says you're missing some big heart issues. So we see this all throughout the Bible. Well, what will tithing do for me? Tithing provides a tangible way to honor God. That means it's physical. You can feel it. That's something you're going to hold in your hand and say, here, this is for you. Often we do that with our wives, right? I got my wife an Instapot for Christmas. How romantic, right? Was it the Instapot that... Was the love part of it? No, it was how I felt when I gave it to her. It's that I thought of it. It's the thought that counts. But this is a physical thing that shows you that I care about you and that I love you. And then she showed me that she loved me by making me food in it. It was awesome. It was a mutual. <laughs> no, but honestly, she asked for it. I mean, that's not normally <laughs> the type of stuff that I would uh, go to for a romantic gesture like that. Uh, but that's a, it's a physical way that we can honor God. It's a, it also provides a tangible way for our, us to express love to God as well. Now, 10% is just the starting point. Often God can speak to our hearts cheerfully to do more as well. It also provides a way to be blessed financially. Now, this doesn't mean that you're going to be wealthy. And putting your tithe in the offering is not like the lottery where you're going to strike it rich one day and God's going to you know, give you a $100 million check. But God does give us some promises when we obey. In Philippians 4.19, God promises to supply our needs. And notice in Malachi 3.10, he says he's going to pour out a blessing until you have no more need. And if you had good parents, then your parents probably said there's a difference between a need and a want, right? A need is like socks and underwear for Christmas. And a want is like a Lamborghini, Okay. (laughs) They're two different things. God promises to supply our needs. He also promises in Acts 20, 25 to bless us for giving. But see, here's the important thing to understand when you think about giving. We do not live this life for the temporary life. We don't live it for the temporary rewards. We live it for the eternal rewards. And we give because Jesus gave and because God loves a cheerful giver. And that's what it tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Obedience always equals prosperity. Obedience always equals prosperity. Now, How about this? Can I divide my tithe? Can I give 5% to the church and 5% to a charity or a missionary? The Bible is clear where the tithe goes. It goes to the house of God. And that being said, yes, give to charity. Yes, uh, give to a missionary. But that's not your tithe. That's above and beyond. And we call that an offering what happens when the church doesn't spend it like I like them to spend the money? I've felt that way before. I've seen some churches buy some stupid things. But see, you can rest assured in knowing that God only holds you accountable for your obedience. And God holds us accountable for our obedience. The pastor, the staff, and the council, we know that we, if we make a bad decision with God's money, we're in trouble. We're going to face that judgment. And if the council votes tomorrow to buy a gospel hot air balloon, you can rest assured that God's not going to hold you accountable for that. Although I think that'd be fun, right? (laughs) He's going to hold us accountable for what we do as well. Now, does that mean you can't ask questions? Absolutely not. But what it does mean is that your tithe is not paying for influence over the church's decision. It is a gift to God. So where are your resources going? Maybe you're in so much debt you feel like you can't obey God. And I hear you. I've been there too. But disobeying God is not going to help your situation. Trust and obey God's word. We've created this country of debt. But as Christians, we need to be an example of financial freedom. I've worked in a lot of small churches. My first church I worked in, I made $400 a month. And this isn't back in like 1915. This is like eight years ago. I worked a separate job. I've worked some, some, at some small churches as youth pastors. And, and youth pastors are underappreciated. I'm going to tell you that. Where's Alan at? I didn't hear him. There he is. He said amen. I heard him. <laughs> but I, Tori and I went through times where we had to put money or, or uh, groceries on a credit card. And we got in some crushing debt. But we continued to remain faithful. And God has prospered it us because of that. Now, did it happen automatically? No, it happened over the course of 10 years. But he certainly supplied all of our needs. God is in control. So we need to remember that it's always important that we seek God's face and not his hand. And we trust that he will supply what we need. Adrian Rogers said this, the consecration that doesn't reach the pocketbook has never reached the heart. We talked about that a few weeks ago when we, uh, the very first message in this series where we said, when you love something, you can see it all over your checkbook. If you love fishing, man, it's there. If you love sports, it's good. you're going to be able to tell by what you invest your money in. But see, surrender doesn't pick and choose. We sang, uh, we'll sing later here in just a few minutes, All to Jesus I Surrender. All to him I freely give. And why is that easy? It's because it's all already his already. My father-in-law gives the illustration of a young boy who goes to McDonald's. And his father buys him a small fry. And they sit down and they enjoy their Coke and a small fry. And all of a sudden the dad, like we always do, we got to get our, you know, uh, fee up front, the tax, the dad tax, right? Right? We grab a french fry and we eat it, right? I know they're yours, but really, I bought it, right? Well, the boy gets all upset and he gets all angry. What are you doing, Dad? And we've probably been there, too. I think I've been that kid. I think Noah's been that kid, too. Dad, come on, these are mine. But the dad said, who has the power to buy you more? Who's got the power to buy you more? So we can shake our fist at God and say, God, this is mine. You can't have it. God, I only have a little. I don't, surely I don't have enough. And God's saying, hey, trust me. I am the one that's got the power to give you more. See, God doesn't ask you to bring a lot. He just asks you to bring your little. Because God can use little things to do big things. And God can take your little and multiply it in ways that you can't believe. So are you living for this life or for the next? Are you giving of your time and your talents and your treasure? See, our goal at CBC is to be a giving church and to get to the point where we give like we won't run out. Gather, grow, give. It's our DNA. This is our process of discipleship because many small people in many small places can do many small things that can alter the face of this world. And that is why we are here. So have you given over your little today? Do you trust him with it? Do you say, God, I don't have much, but you can have what I have and what you do with it? I'll be happy about Are you giving your time, your talents, and your treasures? Let's all stand to our feet and bow our heads. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. You might be here this morning and you might be that little boy that God's asking, hey, just give me what you have. Yeah, I know you think that you can't speak in front of people. Yeah, I know you think that you could never lead a life group. I know you think that that you just don't have enough time. Give me what you have and watch what I do with it. There, your heads bowed and eyes closed. The band's going to play this morning. We're going to have a time of invitation. Now, we have this response time because we believe it's very important. Coming to church is not about listening to a sermon or a lecture. It's about letting God change us. So this is a time that you participate and you say, God, what would you have me change today? Every head's bowed and eyes closed. The altar's open this morning. If you want to come and say, God, I don't have much, but you can have what I have, you come now.